Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for today, as well as the past few weeks, have been from Matthew, chapter 13. Now, chapter 13 is filled with great parables. Now, remember, parables was the typical form in which Jesus preached and teached as he wandered through the countryside of Judea. Now, granted, yes, all four of the Gospels contain parables, but in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, you could say it's a treasure trove of parables. So, I would encourage you, sometime this summer, just read chapter 13. Now, in this week's Gospel, we hear a whole group of parables all clustered together. But what there is something different here. Jesus interprets a specific parable. Now, it's very unusual. He usually allows us, or the crowds of the apostles, to find the significance and the meaning of the parables. It's very rare that Jesus interprets one, but he does so today. And it's a very specific one. I think Jesus does that in order for the apostles, and now us, to truly understand what Jesus is trying to teach us. And so what I want to do is I want to focus all of our attention this weekend on that parable. It's very powerful. And it's very mysterious. It's a parable of the wheat in the weeds and explains the presence of evil in this world and how we are to deal with it. Notice how it starts. A man sowed good seed in a field. While everyone is asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds. And so Jesus, he interprets the parable for us. The sower is Jesus himself. Now remember last week's gospel. It was the parable of the sower and the seed. The sower indiscriminately, you know, sows seed on a wide variety of different soil. And we find out the results of that. Well, in this week's gospel, he's doing the same thing. And yet the seed is the kingdom of God, faith. The field is the world. The good seed, the wheat that grows, that's us, the children of God, the church. We have received Jesus Christ into our life through the sacraments, baptism, communion, confirmation, and we have also responded to Jesus' presence in our life. Therefore, our faith is growing, and so we represent the wheat. The enemy is the devil. The weeds are the evil that he sows. Now, as the crop grows, we find the wheat and the weeds are growing together. Here's a lesson that we can take from this. This coming together of good and evil in the world should be expected. In fact, we shouldn't be surprised of it at all. Think of it at the very beginning of time and space. Fast forward to the very beginning of the Bible, the story of creation. 
Yes, we have Adam and Eve with God in a right relationship with God. But who also is there? Well, the devil. The devil in the form of the serpent. And so immediately, from the very beginning of creation, you see good and evil together. And so the first thing that we can take, or one of the things that we can take that marks this world, is that juxtaposition of good and evil, of saints and sinners in this world. Paul puts it the best, I think, in Romans 7.19. Paul specifically states, Oh, I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I do the evil I do not want to do. If I do what I do not want to do, it's the evil and the sin that resides within inside of me. And so, Paul is telling us, he's being very honest with us, about the struggle between good and evil in his own life. And so, we all face this. No one is immune from it. And so, we shouldn't be surprised or overwhelmed by that. We see this in our life, but we also see it in the world. And so, Jesus tells us, the enemy has caused evil. So, who is the enemy? Who is, you know, the one sowing these seeds of evil? Well, Jesus tells us who. It is a a person, a spiritual person, whose sole preoccupation is sowing corruption and deceit and division and lying and destruction within our lives as well as within the entire world. Again, we shouldn't be surprised at this. You know, when we are opposed by dark powers, Dark powers will undermine us whenever we follow the Lord or grow in our faith. And maybe you felt this at some point in time in your life. In your spiritual life was getting more serious. You felt that you were being drawn closer to God and in your faith. You were maybe getting involved in the church more often. Well, it's precisely then that you probably experience greater temptation and greater struggles. Again, don't be surprised at this. That's the enemy's job of undermining us and attacking us always. Now, the slaves go to the master and they say, Do you want us to pull them up? The master says, No, if you pull the weeds, you might uproot the wheat. Well, in that passage, there's so much to reflect upon for us. Because of the enemy's actions, the weeds are now wrapped tightly around the wheat. Now, that's a very powerful image. Good and evil rarely present themselves in such stark terms. We now see good and evil living in this, you could say, mutually implicative way. They exist in such a way that one is intertwined around the other. And in doing so, it makes the extrication or the removal of evil especially difficult. Now, the problem is when we sense evil, either in the world or in our own life. What's the first instinct to attack it, right? Rip it out, get rid of it? Well, that may be our first instinct. But this parable is teaching us, no, that should not be our first instinct. In fact, we have to be very careful. Generally speaking, evil is always what we call a privation of the good, which means evil is always is a parasitic of the good. And what I mean by that is evil always tries to destroy the good. Consequently, when we attack evil, we are in danger of attacking the good that is close by. Again, go back to that image. 
The weeds are wrapped around the wheat. You know, in some ways, it's kind of like a malignant tumor that has wrapped itself around an organ. Now, if that surgeon goes in and immediately attacks that tumor, he risks compromising that organ, such that organ might be harmed. Instead, that surgeon has to be very careful. That operation has to be very delicate. So when we see evil in this world, we have to be careful in how it is removed, unless it compromises the good that's nearby. Now the parable concludes. The master says, Let them grow together, and at the time of harvest, first collect the weeds, tie them up for burning, and gather the wheat into my barn. Now again, that's a powerful image. Stay with that phrase that the master says, let them grow together. Notice how powerful it is. Well, to help us understand and appreciate that, go to the first reading from the book of Wisdom. It tells us God has providential lordship of not just this world, but in the entire universe that he created. And so is evil a power that is equal to God? No, absolutely not. Does God, in his providential lordship, allow evil to exist? Yes. Does God allow dark powers to sow seeds of evil and corruption in this world? Yes. And so, why? Why does he do this? Well, I think we will never fully answer that. But again, remember, the image is very ambiguous, as well as the phrase, let them grow together. But... God, in his power at the very end of the parable, it says he will separate the wheat from the weeds, preserving one, destroying the other. Now, does this mean we should be indifferent to evil? Forget it, even ignore it? No. I think as much as we can, to the measure that we're capable, we must oppose evil, always. But here is the important lesson that I think Jesus is trying to teach us. There's something to be said about this growing together about wheat and weeds. Now, I would argue some good in our life or in this world would never be realized without the presence of evil. Turn to Thomas Aquinas. He says, You could never see the patience of a martyr without the cruelty of a tyrant. Well, when you stop and think, that is so true. We would never see the good of a person giving their life on behalf of Christ and his church as a martyr, that virtue, if it were not for the cruelty of the tyrant taking his life. I'll give you some more examples. We would never know or witness Maximilian's Kolb, his sacrifice of giving his life for another prisoner in a World War II concentration camp without the terrible cruelty of Hitler creating those camps. Or, we would never see or know the heroic compassion and charity of Mother Teresa in caring for the poor, without the extreme injustice of poverty in this world. Or, we would never see or come to know the great leadership and compassion of Abraham Lincoln, without the existence of the evil and cruelty of the Civil War. See, that's the lesson. That's why Jesus interpreted this for us, to make sure 
we understood. God allows good and evil to grow together because to some degree, the good, whether it's in our life or in this world, becomes more visible, more fully itself, precisely in opposition to evil. Certain goods in our life or in this world are only realized in that opposition to evil. Now you say to yourself, well, what does this mean for us? First, when we look out into this world, or even in our own life, we shouldn't be shocked to see good and evil closely together. Maybe it was intended that way by God. Next, always resist evil. Because in that very act of resisting evil, by that very measure of resistance, we see the good in our life. And we see the good in others and other things in this world through the very resistance of that evil. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.